0: This is MJ. I'm an author, I'm an artist, I'm an analyzer. Find all my work at mjmunoz.com. Welcome to Henshin Inspection Presents Going Ultra! Visit mjmunoz.com slash gu for notes and links. And don't forget to subscribe, like, share, and comment to help me grow. So, I jumped into Ultraman Z, episode one. And then, looking in the comments, looking to make notes, I realized that Ultrafight Fight Galaxy: The Absolute Conspiracy, which has a dub up on uh, Super Eyes Official YouTube channel, actually leads into and kind of sets the stage for Ultraman Z. Now, I was gonna. Well, anyway, I watched Ultra Fight Galaxy: uh, The Absolute Conspiracy, and I have some thoughts on it. I'm gonna talk about it for a little bit here. And uh, then I will continue on with Ultraman Z Episode 1. Uh, kind of spoilers for the future or whatever. I already watched Ultraman Z Episode 1, like I said before. I liked it and uh, I think I'm gonna watch the whole series. So uh, you, can look for- you can look forward to me covering all of that on uh, Going Ultra. And I'm sure, well anyway, by the tenor of Ultrafight Galaxy, it seems like it was a lot of setup and a lot of sizzle and that a lot of what it set up is going to manifest somewhere else. I don't know if it'll be in other Ultraman series, I don't know if it'll be in other productions or, or in like further Ultra Fight Galaxy stories or what, but um, I was entertained by them in the, in the, uh, you know, immediately, in the time while watching them, and I'm looking forward to continuing the story. I thought it was interesting, so I'm gonna say this about Ultrafight Galaxy, uh, The Absolute Conspiracy specifically. It was interesting, uh, it was a lot of characters all at once. I did, however, feel not overwhelmed by, uh, the amount of characters. It just, seeing all these Ultras together and knowing that they're from different time periods, and different dimensions, and that there are these villains from different dimensions and stuff, and they talked about, like, the isotropic versions of you know, such and such character, you know, Trigger and, and Belial, um, it got me thinking about, like, Ultraman society in general, so I think I'll save my observations and questions about the Land of Light, let's just say, uh, for after, and right now I'll just kind of talk about the movie, so it was directed by Koichi Sakamoto, um, I have known of him for a long time, if you don't know, he did a bunch of Power Rangers, uh, direction in the United States, like, four Power Rangers for some, you no, know, was I think more for Disney than for Saban, but it could have been like late Saban, but I don't remember now. Anyway, uh, he also was involved with uh, a lot of Ultraman stuff. He did a lot of cool stuff for uh, Kamen Rider. The, he's got some. Well, anyway, some people don't like his directing style when it comes to women. Uh, I was observing him with Grigio and uh, Princess, whatever her name is, and stuff, uh, while she was fighting, and. I found nothing objectionable. He framed them as women. Uh, Grigio, honestly, does look a little weak, but I'll touch on that a little bit later. And uh, anyway, uh, this you know, there was a writer, a, a screenplay was written for this, and um, to me it was a little thin. It was a little thin as far as, basically the plot is this, that uh, this guy, Absolute Tauterous, um is going all around, causing all sorts of trouble, pulling together all sorts of ultra enemies in order to serve this ultimate life form Ultimia or or something um, that he serves and uh, he's preparing something and trying to get things ready and I'm sure the Ultras are in his way uh, you know the Galaxy Rescue Force and whatever else they have are in the way of his you know, evil plots or whatever so you know that's fine that makes sense that he would cause all this stuff and it's it's kind of interesting that uh, you've got this uh, you know kind of proactive villain who's setting all these things up to cause trouble for the Ultras in order to cause them to you know die or become incapacitated uh, so that he can you know execute his plan and um, I mean, that's basically it. He sets that up. He goes to several different planets several different timelines, I guess or or, uh, Places throughout history and like it almost looks like as certain uh, Villains or characters are about to be destroyed or defeated. He like teleports in he swoops them out of there A giant explosion happens and the you know Ultras think that they've defeated them, but they've actually been carried here and honestly Like, that plot was clear enough to get. What I don't get, the the part that confuses me, is are these Ultras all in one shared universe? Or, like, is the Land of Light? Are they they all in one shared universe? And if they are, how simple or complex is that? Because it almost feels to me like the Land of Light is this nexus that all the Ultras come from, and there's only, like, the one Land of Light, but that they kind of get dispersed To all these different places at all these different times for different reasons. Like there's a future Earth that they refer to. So I don't know if the Ultras are supposed to come from, you know, thousands or, you know, from eons ago somewhere out in space. And maybe it's future Earth because they deal with, you know, Einstein's uh, theory of relativity and and light speed travel in a way that makes sense. Or maybe they just teleport and they go beyond that. I don't know. Ultras fly in space, but I don't know how fast they fly or if any of that matters because this is Tokusatsu and it is more about the story being told and things like that than the the details and the mechanics of the universe. This is, you know, fantastical storytelling. It's not science fiction storytelling per se. So those those sorts of things are questions I have. But yeah, the uh, you know, the overall plot, it was simple and straightforward and it was a, a good way to get all these ultras together and have them fighting against this absolute Tartarus and more uh fighting against old enemies or or, uh you know enemies that should have been vanquished and long gone that he brought to them but then he also corrupts trigger and belial and i'm unfamiliar with belial but it's interesting because he basically uh spoils the plot for um i think new generation heroes which deals with trigger and then um Is it Ultraman Geed that deals with Belial specifically? It kind of seems like that, which is funny, but if you're an Ultra fan, you would know this stuff, and if you're not uh, like me, if you're new to it, uh, it can get you enticed. And honestly, it kind of did make me want to watch more, because it was interesting how much I felt sympathy for Belial and for Trigir. or Trigear. Everybody says his name differently, it seems like. Absolute Tartarus is just an absolute bad guy, (laughs) and there's no sympathy or redeeming nature to him, uh, just yet. Maybe those things can be worked in there at some point later, but that you know that doesn't seem to be the objective of this story, at least. And uh, I'm interested to see this kingdom that's coming um, with his, uh, you know, in the next bit of the story that he's in with you know Absolutian or or whoever he serves. So uh, I'm interested in seeing that um but you know it was it was a little thin it was that's the basic plot of it um i basically described it uh there were i think some interesting ultra cameos like ultraman 80 as uh, an old ultraman ultraman jonius looks like the old ultraman cartoon character brought into live action which is pretty amazing um and just being a tokusatsu fan being a Rider fan for like 11 12 years now or whatever it's been uh i've seen Ultra stuff, Ultraman stuff in the periphery, and, um, yeah, <laughs> I know, like, kind of, some of the, the references or allusions to stuff, but nothing, nothing real deep, as far as lore is concerned, or anything like that, so it was interesting for me to see all that stuff as, like, a, like, a sample platter type, type presentation. I don't feel like I really have anything else to say about the, uh, the movie itself. Watching it split up in the different episodes was a little jarring, um, there was, you know, recap, there was an opening song and an ending song each time. So at some point after watching like the first four, uh, maybe five, I started skipping through, uh, so that I could just really watch the rest more as a, a movie. I had started off trying to do it as like an episode by episode type thing, but I realized they were scenes in a movie and it made more sense to just put them together. So I started to do that, but excuse me, other than that, I can't really think of anything else to say. Um, you know, the the fights were good. It's Kuchi Sakamoto, so the directing you know of the action is going to be pretty good. There were some fights where I was, like, I was taken aback by how cool it was, honestly. So, I mean, that was pretty cool. Um, and, yeah. So, talking about Ultraman more broadly, and I, I'm going to try to stop doing this. I'm going to try to let this be the only time, except for the fact that in... Uh, the next episode that you're about to hear (laughs) on Ultraman Z, I do a lot of, like, speculating and talking about, like, well, what is an Ultraman, and how does this work, and stuff like that, but just some real quick observations I made because of the diversity of Ultras that we got to see in this episode. I just wanted to, um, kind of talk about the, like, the M78 Nebula or Galaxy or whatever it's called, and, like, just throw some thoughts out there, because I don't really understand. Like, are all the Ultramans, like, just an organic species, um... Uh, actually, I have, I have like a slight criticism. The fact that they're always kaiju or or always kaiju size, always gigantic. How does that benefit anything? If you're a planet of giants and you have like gianter giant cities that you live in, like I don't know that that makes sense. I almost think it makes more sense for ultras to be able to grow to kaiju size, but to be more human size. But then again, it adds to them being alien if they're always gigantic. But then again, on some of the planets it and they're gigantic they're taller than the mountains around them and, and the hills around them and stuff but i just don't know how that feels to me it, i don't know that i like that i don't know that it makes sense um and it might just be a style thing and you know they had to make a decision are these guys always giant or not and then they said well yeah they are so then all right well they're always giant we can we can't if we have to show that they're giant by putting them next to mountains and buildings and stuff because if they're giant if the mountains are bigger than them, even though they're giants, you won't know that, so just as a matter of skill, you have to have mountains that are taller, or that the ultras are taller, than just show that they're mountains, even, and like, if you're reusing sets and things like that, for the alien, I, like, I get that, or for the alien worlds, um, that you had from the Earth sets, or whatever, I get that, but it's just, it's just kind of strange to me, and then the next thing is, like, all the, the, the not sexual di- well there is sexual dimorphism apparently but there also isn't uh but there's like there's a uh, genotypes and phenotypes so genotypes are what your genes say you should have what kind of traits you should have then the phenotypes are how they're actually expressed so um all the ultras look kind of similar <laughs> which is a uh, uh, well anyway i'm not gonna touch on that but like How do they grow horns? How do they grow blades on their heads? How do they, like, the textures and, like, how much of of what the Ultras look like is clothing versus how much of it is their actual bodies? Uh, That's something that fascinates me, especially because, like, uh, I think Ken and Belial, the lady that they were with, I didn't catch her name, I don't remember it, she had, like, hair, like, pigtail-type things hanging off of her head, but then, like, Elysian, or, or Elysian, Princess Elysian, she didn't have that. Um, and Sora doesn't have that, but Sora has, like, a a mantle that she wears, um, and it's got this, like, almost, like, stained glass, like, churchy-type pattern thing, and when she has to protect the princess, she, like, projects that up out of her. So, like, how much of the Ultras, like, can they, they change their look at Will because they're these beings of light, or, like, I don't know enough about the Ultras, but, like, are there Ultra Babies? There's Ultra Sun, there's Ultra, um, I think Belial... One of them talked about like he had a son basically because it was like a clone or it was like leftover of his DNA, but it was an altered clone so it didn't look exactly like him. And he's like, oh, how ironic that I'm defeated by my son after searching for all this power that my son gets this power that destroys, whatever, that's interesting. Um, but like, okay, so they've got cells, they've got DNA, they can be cloned. So everything that can be cloned can have children or yeah, right, right? You you, you follow me there? Genetically speaking, scientifically speaking, if you can be cloned, you can be... Uh, um, you can reproduce on your own as well, because that's what cloning is, or, anyway, I'm not going to get into that, but, like, where's an ultra baby? How long do they take to, to live? Do we know anything about their lifespans? Um, you know, why do they look so different? Why do some of them look so similar? Uh, like, if the silver, if they all had, like, a base of silver skin, and then, like, there was purples and blues and reds and oranges and yellows and stuff like that, like, I would almost buy it more, or, or I would have less issue with it, but there's so many ultras that are silver and red, and, um, I get if that was, like, the Showa style, but, like, even uh, the Conraders didn't look that different, and the Super Sentai look very unique compared to one another. So, you can see, like, you know, they've all got the helmet, and the gloves, and the belt, and the boots, and the, you know, stuff like that, but there's a lot of variation in between them, and I just find it interesting that um that the Ultras don't, and the only thing I can think is, like, these are their natural bodies, and uh it would make sense, like, if you had, you know, humans in loincloths, uh, they look pretty similar, like, oh yeah, that guy's darker, that guy's, you know, uh, got higher cheekbones, um, this dude's really hairy, um, you know, things like that, so, uh, I'm not mad at it, it's just, it really makes me curious, like, what is, like, the Ultra Society, and how do, how does all this stuff function, it's just kind of a curiosity to me, um, and, I hope some of those questions get answered, but as Ultraman Z is taking place on Earth, I I doubt we'll get too much more insight into that and maybe have to go back to the more classic Ultraman stuff over the years, you know, like in comics, over the decades, these things have been added and textured in and uh, until you've got a very complex rich history of a character, or a species, or, or whatever, so, um, those are just some kind of thoughts, like, it doesn't really make sense about the kaiju, like, they're always, kaiju says they're always gigantic, but, like, why is that, why isn't their planet like, why aren't they giants when they come to Earth, but their planet is scaled so much larger than Earth, that, um, they're not giants there, just like Superman isn't Superman when he's, you know, in his, you know, on Krypton, it's only when he comes here, but then again, uh, if the giants weren't, if their planet was a different size, they'd have different gravity, so then they couldn't function necessarily as giants, but then again, does Tokusatsu take that into account? I don't know, I mean, I wouldn't think so, that doesn't seem to be what Tokusatsu does, um, anyway, that's, that's, you know, I'm gonna get, uh, uh, let myself have one more comment about Ultraman Reboot, which, it was funny, my kids walked by, one of them reads well, uh, the other two, one's learning and the other doesn't read at all, she's too young, and, uh, they said like Ultraman Ribbit. Like, what? Is, why is he called Ribbit? And I said he's not Ribbit. He's Reboot or Reboot or I don't know. So it was just kind of funny the uh, the English in, the English spelling of Reboot of Ultraman Reboot um, kind of tickles me. Anyway, um, about Reboot, there was a really cool scene where he's getting trained by the other Ultras um, by two of them, by Great Empowered, and he goes into, like, this mindscape of his, this, his inner world, or something they call it, which is kind of neat, and in his inner world, in his mindscape, he's talking about, like, the ethos of an Ultraman, and what it is, and I, uh, and he meditates on that, so to speak, and, you know, between that and the combat that he's in with them, sparring and training, he grows stronger, and he, like, ascends to a new level, and, uh, he kind of you know transforms himself in that way. And it's interesting, the Ultras are always, always seem to be working on transforming. They're talking about getting better, getting stronger, uh, things like that. And they're all these like ascended type beings and it's kind of hard for me to understand how exactly they can grow and not grow. It might just be because this is all you know, pretty new to me or it might be because I'm bringing in stuff from uh, The Rise of Ultraman, it talks about them being these ascended beings. I don't know, I, I'd like a little more lore and a little more depth, and maybe Ultrafight Galaxy isn't the place to look for that. Um, but I'm not mad at it, I'm just you know, making observations and asking questions based on, on what I'm seeing. So anyway, uh, like I said, I enjoyed it overall, um, but I'm definitely ready to get into Z and uh, watch that as it's coming out and keep that coming out consistently. Uh, hopefully you join me al- um, along for the ride as I enjoy that. It was, <laughs> I liked, um, there was a little joke in there between Grigio and Zero, where, oh yeah, Grigio, I gotta talk about her. Well, yeah, I'm gonna talk about her. Her her fighting looked weak. Um, I like the idea of ultra women being included, and it doesn't make sense to me that if there's ultra men and if they're organic, there's these alien beings, that there wouldn't be ultra women, and that there wouldn't be any ultra women fighters too, especially if it's, you know, it's Tokusatsu, it's fantasy, it's this ascended, you know, beings, and these you know different creatures, they don't apply by the same rules as, you know, everything throughout the universe, so like things could be different and more interesting there. Um. So why not have ultra-women and ultra-women who are, you know, as competent fighters as the men? So, Sora seemed okay. Um, She had more defensive action. Princess, um, Yusin, I believe was her name, Uh, she fought really well. She ended up having a fight towards the end of the episode, and it was really dope. Um, And Grigio was working with her. When Grigio had her solo fight on Earth, though, I was very disappointed. It was very lackluster, and even in... Um new generation heroes, the little bits with Grigio. They weren't really great. And um I'm okay. Like, not all ultras have to be fighters. Like Hikari is uh I think he did he end up fighting in the end? Anyway, he's like a scientist because he's not like, you know, fighting a uh, fighting champion or whatever. So that was interesting, but and I'm okay with the diversity of the ultras. But if Grigio's gonna be an ultra warrior, then I want her to be an ultra warrior, and I want her fighting to be competent and to be at uh the uh, the appropriate level and um like i'm i'm in support of it i just think they need to do better and i don't know if it's the actress or i don't know if they're just not demanding a lot of her or as far as like she can perform but they're not asking her to perform is what i'm saying You, you follow me um so that's a little frustrating but uh I don't know because I like the Grigio design and I like the idea of the character how she's so peppy and she's got these other brothers who are ultras and she's trying to like keep up with them a little bit and even in Ultra Fight Galaxy they end up like uh I mean um a new generation of heroes they end up like blending together and and I don't know DNA evolving or whatever it is that ultras do where they combine and and you know combine their power into one and it's like this uh they're they're red and blue or what is it well they're Ultraman R&B and she's their sister so like they become RBG <laughs> um, and, uh, it's, like, a really cool form, it's really neat, but I just, I just don't get it, um, why she's not, like, more of a competent fighter in these, so, anyway, uh, I've really gone over my mandate, <laughs> over what I intended on, on doing and saying, but, like I said, introductory episodes are always long for me, and I'm gonna try to tighten it up as I go through, uh, the rest of Ultraman Z, um, look forward to me getting out the Ultraman, uh, Z episode one pretty soon after this. And then, uh, maybe two after that. And then from then on, they will be like a week apart because I'll be following the release schedule of the, of the show that Eye is doing on their official YouTube channel. So look forward to that again. Check out mgminos.com GU for this, uh, show for this, uh, series of reviews and check it out for all the other stuff I do. I'm doing a lot over there. I'm actually trying to work on, I'm not trying to, well... I'm not doing it at the moment, but I am developing a script for a graphic novel about a tokusatsu trio of heroes who's basically, like, what if a single Super Sentai character, a common Rider, and an Ultra, uh, analogs of all those, uh, ended up teaming up together, um, what if they ended up teaming up together, that's, that's what I'm working on. I'd like to do a graphic novel. I'd love to in Tember. My September is going to be very, very, very busy this year in 2021. I just realized that the other day, but I wanted to participate in Tember. I don't know that I'm going to be able to. <laughs> and, um, I really wanted to coincide the, uh, like a launch campaign slash, you know, GoFundMe type campaign for raising money for this, uh, Tokusatsu graphic novel. Um, but I don't know that I'm going to be able to do it. So, uh, well, I'm going to work towards it, but I don't, my September is going to be crazy because of, uh family and religious obligations and stuff, so I don't know that I'll be able to do it, but we will see what happens, um, but hopefully I'll get to that, but you can look forward, you can, uh, scroll around the website and look for Tokutember, look at all the, uh, stuff I've done, uh, I did draw some Ultraman-inspired stuff over there, uh, in Tokutember 2020, so you might enjoy that. Anyway, with that, folks, I'm gonna go ahead and get out of here for reals this time, and I'm gonna ask you to remember that you don't have to shout Henshin to be a hero.